We read about the martyrs for Christ in Revelation 6, verses 9 to 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. Welcome to Souls Under the Altar a program that reviews the stories of God's persecuted from the past and the present. Your host for this program is Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, welcome to the program. Imagine working as a missionary, going on a four-day missionary trip uh, with Voice of the Martyrs to Sudan, and then ending up being arrested as a spy and spending 14 months in prison tortured by Islamic State extremists. Now, this is the story of our special guest who is dialing in via Skype at the moment, Peter Yasek. Peter, welcome to the program. Hello, everybody, and thank you for invitation to your program. I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about your background and the things that helped you in your your walk with the Lord to prepare you for what lay ahead in Sudan. Yes, you know, I grew up in a a pastor's family under the communist Czechoslovakia. In fact, I lived 26 years of my life under communism. So I would say that um, my early stage of my life was definitely a preparation for the work with persecuted church uh, later on. You know, I have uh, uh, experienced uh, the persecution in our family. You know, remember as a freshman in high school, when I returned home one day, uh, both of my parents were arrested uh, at the same time in two different places and uh, without uh, you know any uh, alert and being uh, interrogated uh, for the underground work that uh, they were doing you know distributing the christian literature uh, organizing a discipleship training school for young people in our house and you know when they were then sharing their experiences uh, from this interrogation and uh, or when i was hearing to some of my other relatives who spent years in communist prison uh, in communist Czechoslovakia was a good preparation. You know, I remember uh, that when I got arrested uh, in uh, Sudan that uh, I still remembered, you know, uh, the advice of my parents, you know, what uh, they have experienced uh, under the interrogation, persecution, and communist Czechoslovakia. And, you know, later on, I had this wonderful experience of, because uh, I had the privilege to serve uh, the persecuted Christians in the last 25 years. And that uh, was uh, also a very good preparation, you know, hearing two stories uh, to people who have not only lost uh, their material things, houses being looted and burned and destroyed, or cars being uh, destroyed or stolen, uh, or, you know, and Muslim background believers losing their whole inheritance if they were expelled from their families. Uh, but the Lord gave me such a privilege also to meet those courageous Christians who remain faithful despite the fact that they have also lost their beloved ones, uh, you know, parents, children, brothers, sisters, or other relatives. But I think the most uh, intensive preparation and the, uh, the, the greatest impact on my life uh, 
was the meeting of those whom I would call the heroes of faith, those who have also lost parts of their own bodies because they didn't want to renounce their Christian faith, even though they were offered, you know, to save their lives or save their bodies. And I'm sure that uh, your listeners have heard about the many cases of Christians being killed, you know, in the Muslim extremist countries. But sometimes, you know, they also, uh, you know, are being mutilated, uh, you know, in their left arm or right leg or both of those parts of their bodies being cut off if they do not want uh, to renounce their Christian faith and adopt Islam in, in some of these uh, uh, Islamic countries. So that was a great preparation for me, uh, you know, meeting those people and hearing uh, their uh, compelling testimonies and seeing that the Lord was giving them a special grace to go over these uh, traumatic, uh, you know, traumatizing uh, uh, moments in their lives and seeing that the joy of the Lord has become their strength. That was what, uh, what has encouraged and prepared me for my own way uh, of persecution. Wow, that, that's quite a remarkable story. So these people are given the option to renounce Christ, and instead of renouncing Christ, they know that if they don't, they will lose a limb, like a, an arm or a leg. And yeah. in spite of that, they are prepared to endure the pain and the suffering for Christ's sake. That's exactly right. And you can uh, see that this is a really strong uh, strong preparation for, uh, for me when... Um, and of course, I read also many stories, you know, in books, even before I met those people. So the Lord was preparing me, uh, you know, for situations when, uh, for instance, you don't have your own Bible and you have just to uh, to pray and to, uh, to, you know, try to remember certain passages of Scripture that you have memorized, you know, that's... That's all that uh, sometimes when we uh, can memorize some passages from Scripture, we never know, you know, when we might uh, need that, you know, in the future. Uh, what, you know, if we are asked to go through difficult situation because of our faith. Yeah, no, that, that is remarkable. Now, uh, obviously, when people hear some of these stories, there can be an element of concern or even fear for some people. Um, how do you cope with, with those things? I mean, obviously, growing up in the difficult environment that you did, where a lot of your Christian faith had to be covert and underground, uh, as a child, did you have times of fear? And then how would you have coped with that? Uh, of course, you know, I, I can clearly see the difference, uh, you know, before I uh, committed my life to Christ. You know, growing up in a Christian family definitely doesn't mean that you can inherit your faith from your parents. Sure. We, have, we have to be born into the kingdom of God. So I remember that when I was maybe in the fourth grade and... Uh, as a pastor's kid, you know, we were moving quite frequently and it was always a very difficult time, you know, to uh, be the uh, new kid in a new school, a new class uh, during the school year. So I remember one time when I was in the fourth grade, someone from my schoolmate asked me, uh, you know, uh, without any uh, hidden 
uh, interest in it. What is your dad doing? And I, I was afraid to tell that my, my father was a pastor. So I said that my father was a beekeeper, <laughs> you know, which was, by the way, true as well, because as a hobby he was doing, he was having beehives in our garden. Right. But, in that moment, when I said that, you know, and and my schoolmate didn't, uh, you know, uh, inquire more about uh, that, I knew that I denied Christ, and I was always asking the Lord, you know, to give me uh, like a second chance, you know, uh, to uh, because uh, whenever I was reading about Peter's Apostle Peter denial, you know. Uh, it was always reminding me my uh, situation from the fourth grade. And, uh, and then when I was 15 years old, I committed my life uh, to Christ. And I was asking the Lord to give me uh, the second chance, you know, to, uh, you know, really uh, confess uh, uh, Jesus' uh, name uh, in front of people. Like, uh, you know, we, we, we know all this verse uh, that whoever will, uh, you know, the, uh, renounce the name of, or you know, deny the name of the Christ uh, in front of people. The Lord says, "I will deny His name in front of the angels, and whoever will confess My name uh, before people, uh, then I will confess the name before uh, the Father." So That's right. that situation came when I was uh, after finishing my university, and I was I had to go through one year of compulsory military service under communism. You know, within the first uh, months, we had. Uh, political training of the troops, uh, you know, that was when we were probably maybe 300 people in one big uh, hall and uh, we were undergoing uh, atheistic uh, training, you know, and the officer was very passionate about telling them there is no God and, uh, you know, giving us this uh, atheistic training to like uh, the newbies in the army and uh, then he paused for a while and he asked a simple question is there still anyone who believes in god and you know uh, uh, silence uh, became uh, silent you know in this room and uh, in that moment i knew that the lord uh, told me peter this is your opportunity so i rose my hand and uh, my arm and i said yes i believe in god and uh, the, the, it was even uh, uh, a deeper a quiet, uh, you know, uh, time after that, and, yes. uh, people were shocked, and uh, of course, this officer was also shocked. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, I have actually experienced after that uh, the even uh, more respect uh, from the officers, and uh, I received uh, even a, a better assignment, you know, in the army, and uh, I was actually then. Uh, having even on my own office where I could read my Bible. So I knew that there were some other people who were Christians, but at that time maybe they were afraid to raise their hand. But for me, this was the wonderful opportunity uh, to confess uh, that I am a Christian and to, uh, you know, in front of people. And that was a kind of really... Uh, encouraging experience for me and relaxing. I got more relaxed after that because I knew that the Lord gave me this, uh, this second chance to uh, when I committed my life uh, to Him. Yeah, no, praise the Lord for that because, I mean, quite often we, we wonder about that and you're saying is by, by being born again and making that commitment to the Lord that you're strengthened yes. and quite often the anticipation of what will happen is perhaps not quite always as bad. Yeah, yeah. And probably nothing would happen, you know, if I would tell my schoolmate that my father was a pastor. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, this is just a fear that uh, was uh, uh, in my life uh, before I, 
willingly committed my life to Christ. And uh, after that, you know, I remember that even the, then the experience came when my parents were interrogated, arrested and interrogated. And, you know, in situations like that, uh, I could even say that I have experienced uh, and felt even a joy being among this persecution when we uh, could clearly see. And that's what we see even with the disciples when the first... Uh, persecution started, you know, when the first physical persecution, uh, they had this uh, experience of uh, being beaten by the Jewish authorities. And we read in Acts 5.41, then they, the disciples, were uh, leaving uh, the Jewish authorities and rejoicing that they were counted worthy, worthy that's so, right. for the sake of the name of Christ. And I can tell you that this is my experience uh, from maybe 1978 when I was, uh, uh, you know, just a freshman in the high school. Uh, I, I could uh, confirm that there was a, a, a kind of inner joy in, in amidst of the persecution. And uh, that's what uh, also I have experienced uh, in the moments when I got arrested and being interrogated, even if, even though it was not easy, but uh, later on, you know, spending uh, long uh, weeks and months in prison, even the time when uh, uh, of sadness and depression came, but uh, through all of that, the Lord was with me and continued to give me His strength. Well, praise God for that. And uh, what intrigues me every time I listen to a story about people who have suffered persecution as how supernaturally they can experience a sense of loving the people that are hurting them and mm -hmm. at the same time also having uh, overcome fear in itself to stand boldly for Christ, to have that boldness. Yeah, I would say that uh, uh, the first uh, two months, you know, when I was with uh, six other members of ISIS, you know, who were uh, at first, uh, you know, limiting my freedom of movement and slandering me verbally, but then physically attacking me, beating me and torturing me. Uh, I was like uh, the witness of Christ's uh, love uh, to them. And I uh, was not allowed to speak uh, whenever I wanted. I was only uh, allowed to speak when I was asked and answered their question. But I was deliberately asking the Lord to give me wisdom, you know, to mm. in my answers to share the gospel with them. And not only, uh, I was allowed not only to share the gospel with uh, the enemies of the gospel, uh, with ISIS members, uh, who were, by the way, very proud of their Muslim faith, and they <laughs> considered themselves being superior to me. Uh, but uh, also, I was allowed to show uh, Christ's attitude toward them when they were hitting me on one cheek to turning the other one as well to them. And I can honestly tell you that this uh, was not my normal nature, uh, because my normal nature would always tell me to defend myself. You know, when I was a school kid, I was always uh, known as a big fighter and always trying to win any uh, any uh, quarrel, but uh, in this situation, I have experienced a special grace from the Lord, um, and that I did not retaliate. And in fact, uh, this even made my uh, my torturers and my uh, enemies uh, in the same cell uh, more uh, angry. Uh, you know, when they saw and they were trying to provoke me to retaliate. I'm sure that if I would retaliate, that they would easily kill me and just say that I attacked them first. So this was a kind of a, like a, a big test, uh, and I can 
just be so grateful to the Lord that he gave me this uh, strength and peace in my mind so that I could uh, just stay and turn the other cheek uh, to them as well. Incredible. Yeah, we, we, we read about, you know, Jesus talking about turning the other cheek, but it's not natural for the human mind, the human psyche to do that. So it must be a supernatural experience and something that happens to people when they have been born again and have the Spirit of God now controlling and leading them. Yeah, you know, I uh, on one hand, uh, uh, I was uh, feeling uh, also depressed uh, many days. You know, I uh, even especially when I was later on in solitary confinement. But uh, there was moments when I had to uh, take it by faith, and I had to, uh, to start declaring that the, the Lord was my peace and the Lord was my joy. Uh, because, uh, you know, during these moments, you know, when uh, we are suffering, not only physically, but also emotionally. And by the way, uh, Richard Boombrand wrote in his uh, books that uh, these psychological torture sometimes may be more difficult uh, than the physical torture. And I, even though I did not uh, have to go through such a horrible torture uh, and beatings like uh, Richard did, uh, I have to admit that he was uh, completely right when he said that the psychological torture may be even stronger uh, and more effective on the prisoners than the physical torture. Well, that, that, that's remarkable. You know, we, you've mentioned this, uh, this promise that we found, uh, uh, we find uh, written in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there is no uh, test or temptation, you know, depends how we uh, translate the Greek language, uh, that would be beyond our strengths. And yes. we have this promise that the Lord will give us uh, the, uh, you know, the strength to go through this uh, test victoriously. Uh, and this is what uh, was the first uh, encouragement that I was also sending uh, to my family when I was, after four months, allowed to send and receive letters uh, uh, to my family. Uh, and sometimes people ask me, you know, how can we prepare, you know, for uh, persecution? Is there any way how we can prepare? And, uh, you know, I think that the most important thing is that we... Uh, just uh, have this uh, commitment and we have this uh, we, we determined you know that we are determined that we will uh, we want to remain faithful and we just have to abide in Christ that's mm. the very simple advice if we abide in Christ uh, you know like uh, the branch of the vine tree uh, this is wonderful picture from John 15 yes. uh, and uh, to abide in Christ of course it, it means that we have um, uh, to abide in his word we mm. have to, to read it and to uh, let uh, the word of God transform our lives and we have to abide in the family like uh, in the, the branch in the tree uh, and we also have to have this intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ you know in uh, our private uh, prayer time uh, with him and if we do that uh, you know, we can be sure that the Lord will be with us, uh, and uh, no matter what uh, situation we will have to go through. Because you know, if you look at the Luke uh, 21 uh, from uh, verse uh, 
uh, you know, 12, I think, first through 18, uh, the Lord was preparing his disciples that uh, we uh, will have to go uh, before religious or secular authorities because of his name. We will be put in prison. You know, a few verses later, he says that uh, some of us will be delivered up by our family members, uh, uh, friends. Uh, and a few verses later, he says, and some of you will be killed. It doesn't matter, you know, to what extent our faith will be tested, but we can be sure that the Lord will be with us, even though we may be uh, asked for the ultimate uh, sacrifice, you know, to uh, be martyrs uh, for Christ. And by the way, you know, talking about martyrs for Christ, uh, this is a wonderful uh, parallel and wonderful thing uh, from New Testament that the Greek word uh, martyros, which is used for martyr, is also the same word that is used uh, for the word to be a witness. That's so right. The, yes. Lord, the Lord Jesus is asking us to be his witnesses in this world. It literally means that we are asked to be his martyrs, uh, living martyrs or real martyrs in this world, uh, to be uh, witnesses of his love in this world. So you're, you're thrown in prison. You go for a four-day visit to the Sudan on, uh, on a mission trip, and uh, you get arrested. How long before your family actually know uh, what's going on? You know, it was uh, three, four days before they got the first news from uh, the Czech embassy. You know, the nearest Czech embassy is in Cairo, in Egypt. We do not have embassy in uh, Sudan, which made it probably even more difficult uh, for my family to get the information. You know, even though I, before every trip, I left a copy of my airline ticket and hotel reservation, so they knew exactly when I was supposed to arrive. And uh, I was always sending them text messages, or if I was somewhere in the lounge where I could have internet access, I even called uh, through, uh, you know, Skype or any other internet uh, uh, phone system. So uh, on that day, what was suspicious was that I did not send any information because my phone got uh, confiscated uh, immediately uh, when I was arrested in the Khartoum airport. So uh, not returning home, this was a big shock. You know, and the first uh, person that my family called was uh, our pastor, and immediately our church started to pray that night. And during the night, you know, they were also trying to reach, uh, uh, you know, the hotel, and uh, the hotel uh, staff told them that I had checked out and I uh, left uh, for the airport with the airport shuttle. Then they were also able to talk to the uh, airline company. Uh, which uh, told them that I uh, you know, checked in for the for the flights. Uh, I received my boarding passes, but I didn't board the plane. So, in one sense, among all the bad news, you know, and the fact that I did not return home, the first uh, relatively better news was that I most likely got uh, arrested at the airport and I was not kidnapped. But uh, uh, later on, but probably four days later, they got the first confirmation from the Sudanese authorities uh, through the embassy, but that was also uh, deliberately uh, confusing. They were uh, said, uh, uh, they were told that, you know, uh, I got arrested because I was smuggling tiger skins from Sudan, which is a complete nonsense because yes. there are no, no tigers there. But, uh, you know, my first uh, uh, phone contact uh, that I was allowed to say a pre-approved statement was 
10 days after my arrest when I was able to talk to my daughter only in English and just to tell them that uh, there was a little misunderstanding and I got delayed in the airport and I'm at good health and I hope to see them soon. That was the only thing I was allowed to say. And wow. uh, after that, uh, there was at least another month of silence uh, when, uh, you know, after the first initial visit of the consular officer, uh, 11 days after my arrest, then for the whole month, there was no contact with my family uh, nor the embassy. Incredible. So uh, you're saying that uh, your your wife went and saw your church pastor. They started praying. You mentioned also in your uh, in your testimony how prayer helped you sleep at night because you're obviously deprived of good nourishment. I think you lost a lot of kilograms while you were in prison. Could you perhaps just talk about uh, the prayer component and how the prayers of others sustained you through that difficult time? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I was always wondering. You know, I was uh, for the first two months among. Uh, uh, these ISIS members who were uh, young people, highly educated, you know, all having university diplomas, being from various countries, you know. Uh, one among uh, them was uh, uh, who was uh, always uh, called like a man of sword uh, with a great respect. And I thought it was because he was as a personal guard of Osama bin Laden for in Bora uh, when he was 12-year-old boy. And, uh, you know, later on, this guy was uh, also, uh, you know, uh, taking part in slaughtering the 20 Coptic uh, Egyptian Christians on uh, the Libyan shore. Yes, wow. Uh, so, so, you know, uh, being among, uh, you know, those uh, people and uh, suffering uh, physically, you know, losing 25 kilos of my body weight due to malnutrition and then losing... Uh, uh, even uh, a lot of blood through internal bleeding. I, I can say that I have lost, uh, according to the blood count results, I have lost half of my blood. But all of that, you know, not knowing from which side I will be hit, you know, slap my face or kicked with their legs and shoes on, you know, to my back, uh, that uh, uh, created a time that I was always very kind of, uh, you know, nervous and expecting, you know, that I may be hit. But strangely, when time of like 9 p.m. came, even though our cell was still very noisy, I could lay down and fall asleep peacefully in this noisy cell uh, without knowing uh, whether I will be hit or not. And I, this was a great uh, miracle to me, you know, and uh, uh, even at the same time, very strange thing. Why do I have, uh, you know, this ability or being able to fall asleep in a noisy cell at 9 p.m.? Uh, about four months later, as I have already mentioned, I was allowed to receive letters from my family. And, you know, in the first letter, they used it in a kind of like a coded language to let me know that at 8 a.m. in our church, uh, there was a prayer time when everyone's cell phone uh, started to uh, ring with reminder, prayers for Peter. And 8 a.m., at home, uh, sorry, 8 p.m. at home, uh, you know, that was exactly 9 p.m. in Sudan. And uh, that explained this wonderful, uh, peaceful uh, sleep that I could start having at, uh, at uh, 9 p.m. And later on, when I realized that my home church was praying for me, I also joined them in prayers. And, uh, you know, I was waking up early morning, probably even before the first 
uh, Azan, you know, the call for prayer. So I had a quiet time, you know, just in, in the place where I was laying on the floor, uh, even maybe half an hour before the first call to prayer. And uh, during the day, I was never, uh, you know, able or allowed to sleep. Uh, but 9 o'clock p.m. every night, uh, this miracle, as a result of uh, faithful prayers for, uh, from my uh, church members and my family uh, caused me to have this uh, uh, ability to fall asleep peacefully at 9 p.m. Unfortunately, we have run out of time now. I mean, time goes really fast when you've got interesting stories to share, but I want to thank my special guest via Skype, Peter Yasek, for sharing his testimony with us today. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us today. We look forward to catching up with you again next time. Until then, God bless. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.